welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 35 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks. End of the week. I know I start every episode by saying that, but uh, I hope you uh, are all doing well as we get ready for the start of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I've got a loaded podcast episode for you guys today as we get ready for the NCAA tournament. We're going to break down the entire bracket. We're going to talk about some of the matchups in the first round that are looking good, that are looking sexy. We're going to talk about my bracket. We're going to talk about my bracket challenge. We're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about who's in the bracket challenge, what the prizes are, what the stakes are. It's going to be a great podcast. We're going to talk about everything when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And then, of course, we've got the outro for you guys today. You guys know how the outro goes. The outro is fire, where we just talk about all the headlines in the sports news that we may have missed from the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks or so. The outro is great. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing the outro. I have not recorded it yet, but when I do, I know it's going to be great because the outro is... I have a lot of fun recording the outro, just going through all these headlines, going through all the news in the sports world that I might have missed over that you know wasn't important enough to get into the main chunk of the episode. I really do enjoy the outro, so we will get into today's episode. First off, though, I want to thank you for... Sticking with me through um, all 35 episodes now of a pod for the review with Brian Brennan. Um, when I started this, you know, when I restarted my podcast back in October, I did not, you know, I was looking through some of my old pictures the other day, and I remember thinking at the time back in October, how long am I going to do this for? Am I going to like really keep this up? And you know, you know, am I going to consistently do my podcast every week, twice a week at that time, and now down to once a week? Well, here we are, 35 episodes later, still pulling, you know, still pushing out episodes once a week now. Um, could be going back up to two episodes a week in the near future when baseball season starts. We'll see about that. Uh, there will be a lot to talk about, of course, when baseball season rolls away. But I really want to thank you, my fans, um, the listeners of Upon Further Review with Brian Running, because without you guys, uh, this comeback would not have been possible to come back and to have done 35 episodes now. I, I really owe you guys a lot, so um, I really appreciate that. I just wanted to say that uh, before we jumped in. I hope you had a, a happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope everybody uh, celebrated St. Patrick's Day, um, you know, safe and socially distant, of course. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I actually did go out a little bit. Um, I went to this place in Rockville, this bar called um, Finnegan's Wake. Uh, it's an Irish pub, obviously. Uh, I wanted to sell. I want. I felt like you know after what happened last year on St. Patrick's Day. Let me tell you about what happened last year for me on St. Patrick's Day. I had a pretty similar day to just about everybody else last year on St. Patrick's Day. I sat indoors. I got a six pack of Heineken. They didn't have any Guinness at the store I went to, so I got a six pack of Heineken last year, and I watched a Dropkick Murphys live stream of a concert last year and they were great by the way i love the dropkick murphys i might be the only person from new york who thinks the dropkick murphys are a great band their concert last year on st patrick's day was great i think they did it again this year so um just to kind of make up for the general lameness of last st patrick's day or you know i was just sitting on my couch getting drunk watching you know drinking heineken and not even guinness and watching a dropkick murphy's performance i felt like i had to go out so i went to this bar called finnegan's wake in rockville maryland uh right in downtown rockville um 
I I went inside. I, I looked inside, and there were a ton of people there. Maryland has recently increased uh, capacity limits for indoor dining, and um, yeah, there were a lot of people inside at that place. So uh, luckily, the good folks at Finnegan's Wake had set up some outdoor tables, uh, so I was able to sit outside away from people keep my distance, uh, which is key. Uh, I did not want to be inside with all that COVID, that potential COVID spreading around. So I got a couple of Guinnesses. I just had a nice little time. You know, this was the middle of the afternoon in Rockville, Maryland on a Wednesday. It was a great St. Patrick's day. It definitely made up for, um, kind of a lame St. Patrick's day last year. And then I went home and I, I watched the Rangers put a nine spot on the Flyers. So that was, that was, it was a good, um, Good. It was a good day. Wednesday, March seventeenth was a was a good day for Brian Brendan. So um, I just wanted to recap. I hope you had a great St. Patrick's Day. That's what happened to me. That's uh, how my day went. Um, and I, I hope um, you guys are ready for this NCAA tournament. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, so I'm just going to jump right into it. We're going to break down the bracket. We're going to talk about some of the matchups in round one. Uh, we can't really talk about the matchups in round two just yet because well, we don't really know what the we don't know what the matchups are going to be. But um, we can talk about um, we can talk about the round one matchups, and I can talk about um, my bracket challenge a little bit, uh, who's in the bracket challenge, so on and so forth. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm really excited for uh, for us to uh, get back into the bracket challenge, especially after last year when we didn't have a, tr- a tournament. It feels good, you know. I it feels good, but um, yeah, let's just jump into it, folks. Let's talk a little NCAA tournament. To kickstart today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, here we go! Alright folks, the NCAA tournament gets underway officially today. Uh, the first four games were last night, I'm recording this right now on Thursday afternoon, so um... I don't know who's going to win the first four games. Those games are tonight. Uh, but the NCAA tournament is back. That is what matters. I am excited. I can't wait for this weekend. College basketball from start to finish all weekend, starting today at 12.15 with the start of the NCAA tournament. Now, if you're listening to this, I hope you're in my bracket challenge. I really do. I really hope that you signed up. For the bracket challenge, it's, it was free to enter. The prize was a $60 Amazon gift card and a guest spot on this very podcast upon further review with Brian Brennan. There is still time to enter as of me recording this. So there could still be some last-minute scragglers, but we do have 37 solid members as of this post. We've got me, uh, my bracket name is Haven't Seen Any College Basketball, and let, let me... Th- let me talk about something that I think is going to affect a lot of people this year. We haven't seen a lot of college basketball. I haven't. Se- I barely saw any college basketball. I think one time this year I watched the UConn game, and that was about it. I have barely seen any college basketball this year. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's because of the pandemic. Maybe it's because the pandemic has you know made college basketball not as fun as in past years, but I have barely seen, like most years I've at least seen some college basketball. This year I barely watched any, I didn't even really watch the conference tournaments last week. So, 
there uh, this is I'm winging it as best I can. I'm I'm going through this uh, and I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat as me. We just haven't seen a lot of college football this year. It's exciting. I'm really glad that the tournament is going on and I'm really excited for the NCAA tournament. I'm excited to see how they're going to pull this off, by the way. I'm really excited to see um how they're going to pull off all the tournament being in Indiana. Um that's definitely big for, you know, it's a lot of college kids, too. You got to keep them all, you know, you know, under a bubble, I guess. Um, but I'm very interested to see how this tournament is going to go. I, I think it's going to be uh, definitely different from past NCAA tournaments. Probably the most un- unusual NCAA tournament, if I had to guess, possibly ever. Very similar to how last year's NBA playoffs in the bubble were the most unusual NBA playoffs of all time. This could be the most unusual NCAA tournament of all time. Let's see who else we've got. We've got Patrick. Ken, I'm guessing Patrick is Pat Honan. Ken, I think, is DC People's Champ. Uh, Brian, I think that's hurt. I think that's hurt. And then we've got Ethan Winter, uh, Ethan's notable bracket. Ed could be um, anyone. It could be my uncle Ed. It's Ed W. So um, it could be my my cousins. Ed. It could be. It, I don't. I don't know who this is, but. Ed's in the tournament. We've got another Patrick. Um, that could be my dad. I, that's the other problem with Yahoo. The only problem with Yahoo is that some of these names next to the bracket they don't really like indicate like they don't give you like a, an initial sometimes. So Patrick could be anybody, but I think Patrick's grand bracket is my dad. The Steinman is an easy one. Thank you, Pat, for differentiating your your name as opposed to. The other Patricks in this group. Uh, the Pat, Pat's bracket. I love Pat's brackets name, by the way. Uh, bust COVID, not brackets. Uh, then we've got Robbie. Robbie's in the bracket. Uh, we've got a Justin. Dylan McNiff is Nostra Dylan. Uh, let's see how Dylan does in the bracket challenge. Uh, we've got a Matthew. James Hayes. The se- I don't even think I know James Hayes the first. So who's James Hayes the second? I don't know who James Hayes the second is, but he's in this bracket challenge. Uh, then we've got... John Rice, uh, I knew who John Rice, I was able to figure out who John Rice was, uh, his bracket name is Tuka, 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 I think that's a tribute to uh, the Bruins goalie, Tuka Rask, uh, we've got a Zach, Josh Kirby, uh, the Kirby on Sports Podcast, uh, let's see how he does, uh, we've got our defending champion, we have come to our defending champion, Natalie Noble. Cleveland is the reason. Good luck to Natalie as she defends her title. It's going to be very difficult, like I said, especially because none of us have seen college. Well, maybe that gives, I don't know, maybe it's an even playing field because we haven't, we've all not seen college basketball. We've got Brian, John, A to the Ron, that's a rune, is in here. Uh, Michael's reasonable bracket. Uh, shout out to Tim Clark because I think Tim has the best um, best bracket name out of anybody in our bracket challenge. Uh, it's Diabetes Causes Racism. Now, you may be looking at me like, what the hell? What does that mean? But um, there was a broadcaster in Oklahoma, uh, I believe it was last week, uh, he said a racial slur while some players on a, a high school basketball team were taking a knee, and he blamed it on his diabetes. He blamed it on his, his blood sugar spiking, so that's why... Arun's team, or sorry, Tim's team name is Diabetes Causes Racism. EJ, shout out to EJ. EJ's Brad Bracket. Uh, Wayne Wanzer's in it. Wayne Wanzer Vision is his bracket. Uh, Charlie Ferrillo, the host of ostensibly a sports podcast, is RMFT. So we know who Charlie's rooting for. Charlie's rooting for the Crimson Tide. 
I don't know Gregory, but Gregory um, named his bracket hasn't had sex in over a year. Okay, good good for you, Gregory. I don't know who this is. So um, then Jeremy, we've got Lee. You remember Lee from the round table? Tristan, shout out to Tristan Patrick. Um, I think this Ed is my uncle Ed, uh, and then Alan Mars. Uh, shout out to Alan; he's in there too. Uh, my aunt Anne's in the bracket challenge. Uh, Craig Marin Petrie's in here too. Uh, we've got another Ed, and then we've got Rita. I believe that's Arun's mom. Uh, now, if I remember correctly, Arun's mom actually did better than Arun in 2019 or 2018 in the bracket challenge. So, can history repeat itself? Can Rita do well again? And then to close it out, we've got Bennett and Julia. Uh, they're both in the bracket challenge. That is your 37 members as of this recording. There are still plenty. There's still time to join. I was talking to my friend Alex Dunbar, um, who's a friend of the podcast, and he he was talking about like, oh, I'm so excited for this tournament. And I was like, Yeah, dude, did you sign up for my bracket challenge? And he was like, No, I missed the deadline. I'm like. The deadline is not till Friday at 12.15, dude. You have plenty of time. So let's go into some of these matchups. Uh, we'll start in the West region. Uh, Gonzaga versus Norfolk State or Appalachian State. I think Gonzaga is going to win that one. Uh, Gonzaga is undefeated going into the tournament. That is one thing that I think everybody should... If you're going to know one thing about this NCAA tournament, it's that Gonzaga is undefeated. They are trying to go... 32-0, which has not happened since Indiana did it in 1976, which ironically was also the last time that Duke and uh, Kentucky missed the tournament was 1976, the last time that a team went undefeated. That was also the last time that Duke and Kentucky missed the NCAA tournament. But uh, we'll see if Gonzaga can do it. They are the number one seed out of the West region, the number one seed overall. Um, and I, I expect them to... No offense to my friends who went to App State. If you win this game tonight against Norfolk State, I'm rooting for App State to win this game tonight against Norfolk State um, because I have friends who went to App State and you know I lived in North Carolina for a while, but either way, they're probably going to get crushed by Gonzaga. Uh, Oklahoma-Missouri is the 8-9 matchup in that region. I'm going with Oklahoma. Again, I haven't seen any college basketball this year, so I'm kind of winging it a bit, but uh, I am going to go with the Sooners in that one. I could could be anybody. Creighton versus UCSB, uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, I'm going with Creighton. Uh, I think Creighton's from a better conference in the Big East. Uh, I, you know, I know they had some controversy with their coach uh, in the last couple of weeks. He got suspended uh, for kind of a dumb remark that he made. I won't repeat it, but I thought it was kind of a dumb remark. Uh, something he shouldn't have said, but um, I think they'll at least win this game and set up a very good matchup, a very exciting matchup next round against Virginia, who I think is going to beat Ohio in the 4-13 matchup in the West region. Um, so we've got USC in the 6-11 matchup. Uh, we don't know who they're playing yet. They're either going to play Wichita State or Drake. Uh, either way, I think USC is going to win. Um uh, I just think they're a better team. Uh, Southern. I just think the Pac-12 is a better conference than either of the conference that Wichita State or Drake is coming from. So USC will win that game, the 6-11 matchup. Uh, Kansas-Eastern Washington. I think Kansas has got that in the bag. Uh, the first upset I picked of the tournament was VCU over Oregon. I don't think Tim Clark is going to like to hear that very much because VCU is a rival to his alma mater, the Richmond Spiders. But... Uh, 
I think VCU has the tournament experience. I know it's obviously a completely different feel from when they made the Final Four, however many years ago it was. But um, I think VCU has the tournament experience. And uh, I just I had to pick a couple upsets. So uh, VCU gets it done over Oregon, and I think they'll play Iowa, who will beat Grand Canyon. Uh, shout out to Grand Canyon for making the tournament. I've seen a lot of Grand Canyon like commercials and stuff, things like that. Uh, good for them for making the tournament. So that is your West region of the NCAA tournament. Uh, like I said, Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. And I expect them to not only win that first round of 64 game, but to also come out of that region. I don't see any, but I think Gonzaga is a lock for the Final Four. I think Gonzaga is going to have a good time. Michigan is the number one seed in the East region. And um, they are going to face the winner of Mount St. Mary's, I believe, or Texas Southern. Uh, yeah, that's Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern. Um I just exited out of my bracket. Just give me one second. Um, either way, it doesn't even matter. Like, it does it really? Does it really matter? Like Michigan is probably going to just roll over Mount St. Mary's or whoever it is, whoever it is, Texas Southern, whoever it is. All right. The first, the next eight nine matchup is. Um, shout out to Juwan, Juwan Howard. Um, you know, Fab Five member returning to his alma mater and having a lot of success in. I believe is his first year as head coach or his second year as head coach of the Wolverines. He's doing a great job either way. Um, so I have to give credit to Juwan Howard. Um, congratulations on your success being a number one overall seed. I can't remember if I picked you to come out of this region or not. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. In the LSU St. Bonaventure matchup, the eight, nine, I picked the Bonnies. I'm going with the Bonnies. You know, that could be just, um, another upset. Um, could just be some New York bias, some New York State bias. Um, but I am going with the Bonnies. I think that's going to be my surprise pick in this region. Um, well, maybe, actually, now that I think about it, I've got another surprise pick uh, coming up in just a second here. But um, let's go with the Bonnies. I'm going with the Bonnies. I'm going to go with a Michigan-St. Bonaventure matchup in the second round. But I guess the biggest upset I have in this first round of 64 in the East region is Georgetown over Colorado. Now, I just love, I'm, look, I just like Patrick Ewing. I am liking this Georgetown story. What they did last week at the Big East tournament was awesome. I was really rooting for them. I was really happy for them to do that. And I, I, you know what? I think they're going to keep it going. I think they're going to win this game against Colorado. I think they will be the 12-5 upset. Georgetown knocks off Colorado. And then, um, I don't want to pick Florida State in this matchup. I want to pick UNC Greensboro because I, you know, I, I have kind of a soft spot for UNC Greensboro. I have to give a shout out to their head coach Wes Miller. Um, he's doing, a, he's done such an incredible job as the head coach of G. Um, but I think Florida State should take care of business. Um, so congratulations to Wes on getting to the NCAA tournament. But um, I think Florida State is going to win. Uh, so this is a good matchup. Now, it involves a play-in. Uh, so either way, I think this is a good matchup no matter who it is. BYU versus Michigan State or UCLA. Either way, I'm picking BYU, but I do like that matchup. And I do like the Michigan State-UCLA matchup. I'll probably keep my eye on that game tonight. Um, that's two historic programs. Obviously, UCLA is the most historic program in all of college basketball history. Uh, I believe they've won 13 or 12 championships my Aunt Anne, who went to the UCLA Law School, she's going to love that shout-out. Um, and Michigan State, obviously, with Tom Izzo. 
That's a great matchup. I'm looking forward to that one tonight. I'll definitely keep my eye on that one, but I am picking BYU to beat whoever comes out of it. And then Texas over Abilene Christian. I've got that over the 314. This is the matchup I am looking forward to the most. As somebody who lived in Connecticut growing up and is a UConn fan, still considers himself a UConn fan, and as somebody who has a lot of friends who went to the University of Maryland, and has a lot of friends like Tim Clark who are University of Maryland fans even though they didn't go there, UConn versus Maryland is an exciting match. I even post an inform- posted an informative poll to Instagram uh, yesterday. I have a Maryland hat and a UConn hat, so I posted an informative poll and I asked who is going to win, and it actually ended up in a 50-50 draw. This is a tough matchup for me. Um, personally, and to pick in the bracket challenge. But I did end up going with the Connecticut Huskies. I am going, I couldn't pick against UConn, I couldn't pick against my boys. I've been a UConn fan since I lived in Connecticut, so I just couldn't pick them. I'm sorry to my friends who root for the Terps, or went to University of Maryland. I am picking the UConn Huskies to advance over the Terps. Let's go. U-C-O-N-N. Let's go uh, Terps. Let's go Huskies. Let's go Huskies. Beat the Terps. Beat up on the Terps. UConn wins the 7-10 matchup. And finally, in this region, before we take a quick uh, little pause and then go to the uh, other half of the bracket, we have Alabama versus a local school to New York. Uh, I just heard Rick Pitino, actually, uh, the head coach of Iona, on the Michael K show, uh, it's crazy how many schools Rick Pitino has gotten to the NCAA tournament. And this is probably the craziest story out of all. Iona only played a handful of games this season due to COVID issues uh, before they and they had to shut the season down several times. And yet here they are. They win their conference and get into the tournament as a 15 seed against Alabama. Um, I believe I actually have. No, I don't. I'll tell you who I have coming out of this bracket in just a second. But. Um, I think Alabama's going to win. I think Alabama's been a nice story all year. They won the SEC. I watched that game uh, on TV last Sunday. Good game against LSU. Really back and forth. Really exciting. Um, So I'm going to go with Alabama to beat Iona. And coming out of this bracket, it was a tough call. This is the only bracket that I don't have the number one seed coming out of. And it was a tough call between Texas and Alabama. But I went with Texas. Um, Like I said, basically just winging it at this point. Um, I didn't see any college basketball this year, but um, if anybody can make a run to the Final Four, let's see if Texas can do it. I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be nice to see Alabama go on a little bit of a run, um, but I, I, I think um, I think this will be the bracket where the one seed does not come out. So I'm going to put this on pause because um, I, I do. I, I, I'm going to put this on pause for just a quick second, and um, then we will get into the South and the Midwest brackets, those first round matchups, in just a hot second. All right, let's go into the south region of the bracket where we have the number one seed, Baylor, versus the number one 16 seed, the Hartford Hawks. You know, I'm rooting for Hartford as a Connecticut guy, somebody who lived in Connecticut at least, uh, but Baylor is the number one seed in this bracket for a region. I mean, they've looked really strong so far this season, uh, so I'm picking Baylor. Um, now, North Carolina versus Wisconsin, the 8-9 matchup was very difficult to pick. Uh, These are two teams, obviously, that have been in the tournament a lot. Uh, So they have a history. It was very difficult to pick between the two of them. But I went with UNC. Um, I just, you know, I like the way UNC ended the season. I thought they ended strongly. 
in the ACC regular season and then in the conference tournament as well. Uh, so I just like the way that went for UNC. So I am going to pick the Tar Heels. Plus, I have a lot of friends who are Tar Heels fans that would probably jump me if I didn't pick UNC. So I'm picking the Heels. Um, all right, for the 5-12 matchup in the South, uh, this one's personal because uh, we've got Villanova, which is Arun's fa- or where Arun went to school, and his favorite team versus Winthrop, which is... Um, which is you know a, for a big South rival of High Point. They only lost one game this season. Uh, I could get, I you know this is I could probably give you a bit better scouting report than Winthrop on Winthrop than most people could. They are a very good team. Like this is this is a sleeper twelve team, the Winthrop Eagles, um, coming out of the Big South. Um, but I still think Villanova just has more. T- I, I I think Villanova, despite the fact they lost Gillespie. I think they still, as a whole, have more talent than Winthrop, but um, I, I think um, I think Villanova will win. I'll keep. I'll definitely keep my eye on this game. Um, you know, I actually am not rooting for Winthrop as a high point grad. Like I, I don't like Winthrop. I've had so many bad memories dating back to my freshman year when uh, I went to a High Point Panthers Winthrop Eagles basketball game in Winthrop on a school trip, and we almost got kicked out. Um, well, uh, well, certain other members of my party almost got kicked out, but, um, that I've always had gone to when I was courtside, the story I told a couple weeks ago, I've always hated Winthrop. So to Arun Bhattacharya and all Villanova Wildcats fans, uh, please beat Winthrop. That's all I've got to say. Purdue versus North Texas, the 413 matchup. I'm going to go with Purdue. Uh, yeah, don't have a whole lot to say. Texas Tech, Utah State. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Texas Tech, but I could see this kind of being a trap game in a way. I could see Utah State maybe making a, you know, a little surprise noise or something. Um, Arkansas versus Colgate. Uh, Arkansas, I picked that one. Uh, Florida versus Virginia Tech. This is a good matchup. Another group of two, two schools that have been in the tournament before, and another tough one to pick. But I went with the Gators, uh, Chomp Chomp. Uh, I just decided they were the higher seed. I didn't want to pick too many upsets. I didn't want to risk it. So uh, I went with Florida over Virginia Tech. It'll be funny, by the way, to go back uh, and listen to all these picks when these games are done, uh, when the, the first round of games are done. It'll be fun to go back and listen uh, and just hear how many I got horribly wrong or hopelessly, maybe I got them right. Um, and then we've got Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. I think that's a pretty easy pick. I'm picking Ohio State. And out of this region... Uh, like I said, the only region I didn't have the number one seed coming out of was the East. I have Baylor coming out of this one, beating Ohio State in the Elite Eight. And on to the Midwest region. I really liked what I saw from Illinois uh, in the Big Ten tournament. I really enjoyed watching them play. I thought they were great in that final game. Uh, I was really I I'm they're they're I think they're going to beat Drexel pretty easily in the one sixteen matchup. And I'm look I'm hoping. Fit Loyola Chicago. Shout out to Sister Jean, man, 101 years old and still going to the NCAA tournament. Shout out to Sister Jean. You might remember the Loyola Chicago story from a few years ago. What a great story they were coming out and going to the Final Four. Um, I'm rooting for them again. Here they are again. They're going to play Georgia Tech in the 8-9 matchup of the Midwest region. 
Uh, I am rooting for them, uh, not only because of Sister Jean, but I want that Illinois matchup. If Illinois wins, which they probably will, and Loyola Chicago beats Georgia Tech, we get an Illinois versus Loyola Chicago second round matchup. That is going to be fun to watch. That'll be a big day for the state of Illinois. Like people in Illinois, we I want that to happen. So hopefully that I want that that Illinois showdown. The streets of Chicago would be going crazy that day if that were to happen. Um, so hopefully it does. Uh, Tennessee, Oregon State is the five twelve. I pick Tennessee. Uh, Oklahoma State versus Liberty. If you know me personally, you know how I feel about Liberty. Very similar to how I feel about Winthrop. Liberty used to be in our conference. They used to be in the Big South before they, uh, I don't even remember where they moved to. They're dead to me. Liberty's, first off, they were dead to me when they were in our conference. I hate Liberty. So um, hoping Oklahoma State takes care of business against them in the 4-13 matchup in this region. Um, okay, so this was a tough one to pick. Uh, because it's a mid-major school in San Diego State University versus a powerhouse in Syracuse and a, one of the great head coaches of all time in Jim Beheim. This was a tough one for me to pick. Um, but I went with Syracuse. I'm picking the ACC over whatever conference San Diego State's in. Uh, I just think that Syracuse had a tougher schedule, and I think that they will... Uh, advance in this tournament over San Diego State. It'll be a good game. That'll be one to keep your eye on. Um, I think that'll be one uh, to watch for sure. Uh, Syracuse-San Diego State, the 6-11 matchup. West Virginia versus Moorhead State. Um, That's an unfortunate name school, Moorhead State. Uh, West Virginia, I think, is going to win that one. And this was another one where I think I went with local bias uh, or New York bias, New York area bias as a whole, uh, when it came to my pick. Number seven, Clemson, against number 10, Rutgers. I've been listening to Chris Carlin come on the Michael K show right before his show is about to start and talk about how great Rutgers is in. I heard Rutgers head coach Steve Pakel on the Michael K show yesterday as well. I like this Rutgers story. They have not been in a tournament in a very long time. It's been so long for Rutgers. They deserve a chance in the NCAA. I believe it's been since 30 years. I believe it's since 1991 that Rutgers has been in the NCAA tournament. So I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting. Uh, what can I say? You know, I have a New York bias. I have an East Coast bias, but I have an especial bias towards New York sport, New York area sporting events and New York area sporting teams. So um, besides Clemson, just won. They've won the national championship in football a bunch. Let Rutgers have this. Clemson's not a basketball school. Come on. I mean, Rutgers isn't really a basketball school either, but still. Anyway, I think Rutgers is going to win the 7-10 matchup. Rutgers as the 10 is going to win this matchup in the Midwest region. And then finally, uh, Houston versus Cleveland State. Um, Cleveland is the re- not going to be the reason this time. Um, not going to be the reason this time. I think uh, Houston is the number two seed for a reason coming out of the AAC. Uh, they've looked strong. I actually, they crushed the AAC final. They were dominant in that game. Uh, so I expect them to destroy Cleveland State. Um, and out of this region, I've got Illinois. Uh, I've got Illinois coming out of the Midwest region. I just love what they're, uh, Coburn, I think, is a really good player. Um, he's got a very memorable last name, the way it's spelled. I won't say how it's spelled. But, um 
he's a very good. He's actually a very good player, um, and he's turned into a real nice find for Illinois. Um, so I, I think Illinois is going to come. I think he's going to be a big part of it, and he's going to come out of. They're going to come out of this Midwest region. So my final four. This is my personal final four. Brian Brennan's final four in a year where he did not see much college basketball. Why am I talking? Why am I referring to myself in the third person? That's just weird. But my final four in a year where I did not see a lot of college basketball is Gonzaga versus Texas, a one versus a three, and Baylor versus Illinois, with Gonzaga beating Baylor in the national championship game. I won't tell you my score because I don't want to give anyone any ideas or like anything like that. But that is my bracket. I have Gonzaga winning it all. I just they've come this far. They want to complete the goal. They want to go undefeated. They've come this far. They're not about to let that stop them now. I expect Gonzaga to go into this tournament. And, you know, people say, oh, they're not on, they're not on a major conference. What are they, in, like Mountain West or something? They're still the best team in the nation. Conference doesn't matter sometimes. In situations like this, Gonzaga is definitely the best team in the nation. And I like Baylor, too. It would be kind of cool to see um, a Texas-Baylor national championship. Um, that would be my backup if Texas could beat Gonzaga and then we get Texas versus Baylor. That would be cool just to get a, a Texas showdown in the national championship in Indiana. But I am going with Gonzaga. I just It was really tough. In a year, like I said, where I did not see a whole lot of college basketball, it was very difficult for me to pick against. I think it, it's just the easiest, safest, best route that I could possibly take when it came to filling out this bracket was to go with Gonzaga. So that's what I did. Um, just to, again, the prize for my bracket challenge is a $60 Amazon gift card. That's up $20 from last year. Um, last year, obviously there was no NCAA tournament and I felt very bad that I wasn't able to give out a prize or have my bracket challenge or anything like that. So I decided this year I wanted to do it a little bit bigger than normal. I wanted to, um, give out a little bit of a, a prize like a little bit more of a prize than just the usual $40. So I've increased it to $60. Um I think that's fair. Winner take all. Uh you also get the guest spot on upon further review with Brian Brennan if you want it. Um if you don't want to be on the podcast, that's fine too. You don't have to be on upon further review with Brian Brennan. That part I think is optional, but um you're definitely getting an Amazon card. Uh, that, that, that part is definitely not, that's, that's not optional. The Amazon card, uh, is definitely part of the deal. So, um, that is my NCAA tournament predictions. That's who's in the bracket challenge. And that's what the prizes are. Uh, I hope you were able to keep up with all of that. Uh, and I hope you are ready for the NCAA tournament. I hope you, um, are, you know, I hope this was able to get you ready for today's games. Like I said, the tournament kicks off today, Friday, March 19th at 12.15. That is your deadline to submit to the bracket. So if you're listening to this episode on Friday, March 19th, it's the morning. You still haven't finished your bracket challenge yet. You've still got some time. Go do it. There's still a little bit of time. So yeah, um, 
Really excited for the bracket challenge this year. Um, really looking forward to it. And um, that's pretty much it. Why don't we jump right in to today's outro. Alright, to begin today's outro, I have to begin with a very special shout out to my alma mater, High Point University, specifically the women's basketball team, for making their first ever NCAA tournament! Hey! Uh, I'm so, so proud. I'm a really proud alumnus of High Point University. Uh, I'm really proud of this women's team. They've done an incredible job. Um, I watched the I watched the whole game last on Sunday uh, when they beat Campbell to clinch the Big South, and um, I was really proud. This is our first NCAA tournament appearance for men's or women's college basketball, so it's really exciting. I'm really happy for High Point, uh, my alma mater, to make the NCAA tournament. I look, we're playing UConn. I'll say that we are playing UConn, and uh, if you don't follow. Women's college basketball, you, UConn is the dominant force in college women's college basketball. They've since Gino Ariema got there, uh, they have been a dominant super powerhouse, and they are a number one seed in this tournament. High points a sixteen seed. I don't really care about any of that, folks. I, we're probably gonna lose. I don't. I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm just proud of my school, man. I'm just proud of my alma mater. I'm just proud of High Point University, and I'm really excited to um, have this opportunity on the national stage. 8 p.m. on ESPN on Sunday, nationally televised if you want to watch. 8 p.m. Sunday, be there. If you are a High Point alum, be there. I don't care if we're going to get crushed. Just be there. Be there. This is a huge deal for our school. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to my alma mater before we um, jump head first into the outro. Uh, this is exciting news that just broke right before I was about to record. Um, so we've talked about how New York is at 10% uh, sporting event uh, for capacity for sporting events now. They just changed it. They literally just changed it today. They are now going to 20% for outdoor sporting events. So specifically, Yankee Stadium, City Field, MetLife Stadium, places like that, it's now going to be 20%. I have a statement from the Yankees that I would like to read. The New York Yankees, in conjunction with State Governor and New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Department of Health, today announced that Yankee Stadium would open up to a 20% capacity to start the 2021 regular season. To begin this season, each guest in attendance will be required to take a PCR or antigen COVID-19 test with negative results or provide proof of a COVID-19 vaccination. More information will be posted shortly on COVID-19 testing and proof of COVID-19 vaccination. Subject to improving public health subject to improving public health conditions, the Yankees are hopeful to be able to expand capacity and eliminate testing in early May 2021. Additionally, the Yankees are hopeful that testing requirements can be eased by mid-May 2021. 
For more info on protocols and additional details regarding the start of the 2021 season at Yankee Stadium, visit www.yankees.com backslash updates. So this is really exciting. Um, we're just getting cl- like closer and closer to eventually full crowds at Yankee Stadium. And um, this is really like 20. If, it, if it's going to look anything if 20% at Yankee Stadium is going to look anything like 10% at Madison Square Garden, I think it's going to be really awesome. I'm really excited for, um, you know, I think it's good for out, outdoors sporting events. So many people are like me and are just dying to get back to Yankee Stadium and are dying to go see a sporting event again, you know. So they'll fill up. They'll fill up the 20% at Yankee Stadium. And they'll probably fill it up at City Field too. Let me see if the Mets put out a statement. But um, yeah, I, just to play the field, I mean, just to be complete, fully fair to both the Mets and you know to all the other teams. I don't even follow the Mets on Twitter. So here's what the Mets actually. The Mets actually just put this out uh, two minutes ago. Welcome back, hashtag Mets fans. Fans will be permitted to return to games at City Field beginning on Thursday, April eighth. In accordance with New York State and government-prescribed guidelines, City Field will initially operate at 20% of full capacity. So that's 8,492 seats. So um, not a huge statement from the Mets, but uh, about the same. Yeah, it's about Yankee Stadium, I would imagine, would be about, tw- about um, 10,000 or so uh, fans at the stadium. Let's go. I'm really excited. Like, this is... I've talked about it in the past. We've talked about um, the precautions they're taking, all the testing they're doing as well. You know, you need to have proof that you either got a test or you're going to be vaccinated. This goes back to what I said on a previous episode, or what I guess Rick DiPietro was the one who said it, and I, I kind of relayed what he said. But I would feel safer at a New York sporting event than just about anywhere in the world right now. If they're going to take all these precautions, they're going to socially distance people, that. Why wouldn't I feel safe? Why wouldn't I be willing to go back to Madison Square Garden or go to Yankee Stadium? Yeah, at some city field, anywhere like that. Um, this is this is good news, and I'm really glad. Like I said, I kind of saw this coming, too. I thought that um, 10% when they announced that back in February was kind of low, and I kind of had a feeling that by the time we got to opening day or by the time we got closer to opening day, that it would be closer to 25%. Well, 20% is still pretty good. So I will take this. I am very excited about this. Let's get everybody. I will, look, if I can get to a Yankee game sometime this spring, that would be great. If I can go home, um, I think I need to get vaccinated first. Um, but um, if I could go home and go to a Yankee game, that would be great. Um, so I just wanted to talk about um, something that happened last week. Uh, to Patrick Ewing um, at MSG. Um, so first off, we you know we talked about it a little bit. Um, we talked about it a little bit uh, during our bracket um, challenge uh, breakdown. But um, Georgetown won the Big East. Congratulations to them. Um, it was um, it's very surprising. I guess they only had a 500 record. But uh, congratulations to Georgetown on winning the Big East. Definitely a surprise upset. Uh, but last week, uh, Georgetown arrives to the MSG where the Big East tournament was being held at Madison Square Garden, and security guard there checks Patrick Ewing's badge. Now, 
That's not something I would... Uh, we're talking about Patrick Ewing here, one of the greatest athletes to ever play at MSG. One of the greatest Knicks ever. He said he... Um, this was the quote from Ewing. I do want to say one thing, though. I thought this was my building. And I, th- I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, people asking for passes. Everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? He then said, I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, Jesus, my number in the rafters or what? Now, there have been a lot of opinions on this over the last um, week or so. I haven't been able to give mine because I haven't done my podcast. Now, part of me does believe that this security guard, whoever actually had the balls to check Patrick Ewing's badge at Madison Square Garden, was just doing their job. They're probably told by their boss, by their supervisor, check everyone's badge. If I don't see you checking someone's badge, you're fired. That's probably what happened. That's probably what happened, and they had to check Patrick Ewing's patch. He probably had no idea that it would blow up into whatever it turned into this past week with Patrick Ewing. You know, I don't think I don't think anybody expected Patrick Ewing to call anybody out for this. Um, so yes, I'm I'm actually I am I am on Patrick Ewing's side. Like I, I don't understand why anybody would feel the need especially at Madison Square Garden of all places, to check your badge, you, Patrick Ewing, one of the greatest Knicks of all time. But at the same time, I do also wonder if this was maybe just a security guard, his boss is on, you know, his boss is really on, on him, like, yo, you got to check every badge who comes in here, and if I see you not checking a badge, I'm going to fire you. That's partially what I think is at play here. So I understand both sides. I just wanted to say that. Um, but congratulations. Patrick Ewing got the ultimate revenge possible by winning the Big East tournament in MSG. Um, good for Georgetown. You know, I, it, Patrick, yeah, that's a program that's you know, had their ups and downs. They obviously won a national championship with the, in the 80s with John Thompson. Rest in peace to John Thompson, of course. He just passed away recently this past year. But... Um, Patrick Ewing has gotten them back to the main stage, and that's really exciting. I'm really happy for Patrick Ewing. I'm really happy for Georgetown. Um, but yeah, maybe next time they won't check his badge. Maybe maybe now um, maybe now that he's a Big East champion, as opposed to everything else he did at MSG, everything else he accomplished. Maybe now that he's a Big East champion head coach, you'll stop checking his badge. All right, so I'm constantly writing things down to be in the outro, and things are rapidly changing. Like that's the only the thing is like news moves very fast. News rapidly changes. This is an example of something I wrote down as that should be in my outro that we're not a hundred percent sure of the details of. So last Friday, it was reported that Alex Rodriguez. And Jennifer Lopez, my person, one of my personal favorite power couples. Like, it's for me, my favorite power couples are like Megan Burr or Megan Rapino and Sue Bird and A Rod and J Lo. 
The report came out from the New York Post, page six, that they had broken up. Um, and I was instantly like, no! I was devastated when I found out A-Rod and J- It felt like they were meant to be. They were always doing all these things together. Like, they were always to get like she was always supporting her like when she was at when she when he performed at new year's he was there when she performed at the inauguration he was there um they always seemed like they were like the perfect couple for each other and so i was really kind of bummed when i saw the news that they had broken up um and definitely really i was just like man like love is dead like if they if those two people can't be together then love is dead like like that's that's um that's pretty much how i felt about it but then um reports came out that they are actually not breaking up and that they are working on things i guess they had some issues there have been rumors now i'm not trying to i'm not a rumor podcast so i'm not trying to start rumors peter rosenberg kind of implied this on the k show a little bit last week there have been rumors of alex rodriguez potential infidelities and cheatings but i'm not going to get into that i'm going to just say personally i hope a rod and j-lo whatever issues they may have i hope they sort them out because they are such a great power couple Aaron has talked about how great of an influence J-Lo has been for his daughters. Um, so I was really sad to see that they might have broken up. But um, I'm hopeful that, that definitely there was definitely hope for a resolution. And um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I'm rooting for them to stay together because I, I hate breakups. I hate, like, breakups are just the worst. Like, and especially high-profile ones like that. Um Best of luck to them. Best of luck to them. All right, so this one was surprising too. This was surprising news from the baseball world uh, and the basketball world too a little bit. LeBron James and Maverick Carter are now part owners of the Boston Red Sox. Their company purchased a $750 million stake in Fenway Sports Group. And now LeBron James and Maverick Carter are part owners of the Boston Red Sox. You want to talk about headlines that I did not see coming at all this past week. LeBron James as a part owner of the Boston Red Sox was one that I did not see coming at all. Especially considering... LeBron's a bit of a phony when it comes to his baseball fandom. In fact, you know, in general, when it comes to his, his sports fandom, I've always, you know, no disrespect to the athlete LeBron James. LeBron James is an incredible athlete, the, one of the best basketball players of all time. But when it comes to baseball fandom, he's a gigantic phony. He, it, that's just how it is. Yeah, I remember that playoff game in 2007, Yankees-Indians at Jacobs Field, where LeBron James wore a Yankees hat to a Cleveland Indians playoff game in Cleveland. I remember that. I'm old enough to remember that. That wasn't that long ago. You know what else wasn't that long ago? When LeBron James was supporting the Cleveland Indians in the 2016 playoffs and in the World Series. We all remember that video after Rajai Davis hit the home run in the World Series of LeBron James going, let's go, and like flexing a little bit. We all remember that. 
Are we too young to forget LeBron James also supporting the LA Dodgers this past year? And in uh, his previous time in LA, he has always been openly supporting the Dodgers. And now he's a part owner of the Boston Red Sox? Give me a break. Like, that's just phony sports fandom at its best. Like, LeBron, and so I want to actually give a shout out to my dad. Uh, my dad actually made a very good point. Um, as, as you know, my dad is a big soccer fan and, um, he, LeBron James is also, uh, you know, his invest in, investment in Fenway sports group, but he's also an investor in Liverpool FC. So this could possibly be more, what my dad said basically was that this could be more of a play for Liverpool for LeBron as opposed to the Red Sox. So, um. Maybe, but it was definitely very surprising um, to see LeBron James. Like, yeah, some Yankee fan you are. Like, yeah, he's not clearly like some Yankee fan you are if you're going to buy the partial share of the Boston Red Sox. Um, but I will, you know, give them a little bit of respect. They're the first African American partners in Fenway Sports Group history, which is obviously a big milestone. So, congratulations to them for that. Uh, but this was definitely. Uh, Definitely a headline that um, I did not see coming at all, and um, definitely one that surprised me. I'll have to ask Ethan Winter what he thinks. I actually have not talked to Ethan about this yet. Um, I'll have to ask Ethan what he thinks, because he's been, maybe not as much as John Rice, but a, a critic of LeBron James in the past. So maybe Ethan, I wonder how Ethan feels about this. I'll have to, I'll, I'll send him a message after this and see how he feels. All right, so um, a little football news involving two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Tom Brady signed a two-year contract extension that is going to take him up to age 45 of his playing career. On Friday... The NFL team, the Buccaneers, announced that Brady had signed an extension with his team past his original contract that covered the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Brady, already the oldest player to earn a championship ring at age 43, is now signed to play with the Buccaneers through at least 45. The seven-time Super Bowl champion confirmed the news on Instagram, sharing a picture of himself signing the new contract. In pursuit of eight, LFG at Buccaneers. We're keeping the band back together. He captioned the photo. You know what LFG stands for. So um, Tom Brady has always said that he wants to play until he's 45. And that if he can, he will play until he's 45. Well, now he's signed a contract extension that will keep him playing until that age. What a remarkable... I mean, Tom Brady is just a freak. Uh, the way he just keeps going... He's a freak, man. He, Tom Brady is an incredible athlete. And um, at this point, you know, I used to hate Tom Brady. Like, I used to think he was a jerk, honestly. And I used to, you know, think he was a cheater, to be quite honest. But I'm just now at this point with Tom Brady. I'm just impressed, man. Like, I'm just impressed by what he does. I'm constantly impressed by what Tom Brady accomplishes on a football field. So congratulations to him on signing this extension. Like I said, he's always talked about playing until 45. And this will give him the opportunity to do it. He's found, like, it's amazing how 
I was, you know, it's funny. I've been um, in kind of a, a sick trip down memory lane. I've been going through um, all my pictures and like videos and photos from around this time last year when we were first going into the pandemic and when we were first going into lockdown. And there's a lot of pictures from this time because this is around the time last year where Tom Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there's a lot of, like, I remember thinking at the time, like, you know, Tom Brady's never going to be the same. You know, it's never going to be quite what it was in New England um, for Tom Brady. It's never going to be quite as good as it was for him. I really, I really believed that at the time. But now here he is, already got a Super Bowl ring under his belt in Tampa Bay, possibly going for more and going to play until he's 45. The ageless wonder Tom Brady strikes again. Um, but uh, I, I have to also give a shout-out to Drew Brees. Um, Drew Brees uh, officially announced his retirement this past weekend. Uh, what day was it? Uh, four days ago he announced his retirement. I'm looking at the Instagram post right now. Uh, four days ago, Drew Brees announced his retirement in a very nice Instagram post. Here, I'll read you um, his video of his kids all wearing his jersey, uh, except for his daughter. All his sons are wearing his, his jersey, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, his, his daughter is not wearing a Saints jersey. But this is what Drew Brees posted to Instagram um, on Sunday, I think it was. After 20 years as a player in the NFL and 15 years as a Saint, it's, it is time I retire from the game of football. Each day, I poured my heart and soul into being your quarterback. Till the very end, I exhausted myself to give everything I had to the Saints organization, my team, and the great city of New Orleans. We shared some amazing moments together, many of which emblazoned are emblazoned in our hearts and minds and will forever be a part of us. You have molded me, strengthened me, inspired me, and given me a lifetime of memories. My goal for the last 15 years was striving to give you and everything you had given to me and more. I am only retiring from playing football. I am not retiring from New Orleans. This is not goodbye, rather a new beginning. Now my real life work begins. So congratulations to Drew Brees on an incredible career. I know he's Michael Edgley's favorite athlete of all time. Um, you know, I think about what happened at the beginning. You know, I was, I was mentioned that I was going through some of my photos from the start of the pandemic. And, um, I was also reminded of, you know, what Drew Brees said at the time uh, when the riots were happening and the protests. Um, I was not a huge fan of that at the time, but I think this year Drew Brees did a good job of winning people back. And I think he actually did a good job that very week of winning people back. He, he talked, he, he told Trump to just basically leave him alone, don't use me to, you know, spark your movement or things like that. So I went. I was back on Drew Brees, and I'm rooting for him to have a successful career with NBC. Um, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. He's going to get in on the first ballot. Like that's obviously he's going to get in on the first ballot. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So um, congratulations to Drew Brees on a great career. Like I, I really have nothing but respect. Like I like I said, he won me back this year, um, and. Um, I gotta give credit to Michael Edgley, um, too, for having a um, 
a very calm reaction to Drew Brees retiring. I was not. I was a little surprised. I was expecting Mike to be like, you know, oh no, Drew Brees is retiring. The sky is falling. I'm going to drive into traffic. But Mike was actually very calm and relaxed. And uh, I give Mike a lot of credit for um, not freaking out too much. In fact, he's already he's already seems really excited for Jameis Winston. Uh, I was talking to Mike a little bit earlier this week, and he was like, "It's Winston time, baby." So. Um, Let's see how we'll see how that goes. So congratulations to Drew Brees on a great career and um, best of luck with NBC. I think he's going to do great at NBC. I mean, NBC wouldn't have brought him in if they didn't think he was going to do an incredible job. So uh, best of luck to Drew Brees at NBC. Cam Newton, in other quarterback news, signed a one-year, fourteen million dollar deal with the New England Patriots. That is surprising to me because um, Cam Newton was not very good last year. Cam Newton was really, like, he really struggled. I know he had the COVID, and I know um, he just never really was, like, the same after the COVID, but he only threw eight touchdowns last year. So to give him $14 million, they must really like Cam Newton in Foxborough. They must really like Cam Newton in New England if they wanted to bring him back on a $14 million, that's a lot of money. Like you could have gotten like maybe even Ryan Fitzpatrick who signed with the Washington football team this week for even cheaper. I think he only signed for 10 million. So um, this was surprised, but you know what else is kind of surprising? I'm not used to the Patriots spending a whole lot in free agency. The Patriots have spent more than anybody this free and that's another thing I, I've already talked to. I, this is something I have talked to Ethan about actually, and um, Ethan was fired up. He was like, "I love it!" Like he was like, and uh, my reaction was like, "Bill Belichick," you know, was like, you know, remember um, Hard Knocks with the Rams um, when Jeff Fisher was like, "I'm not going seven and nine this year. I'm not doing that seven and nine shit." Well. That's kind of how I feel Bill Belichick was uh, this year with his free agent. He signed Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, two great tight ends. Matthew Judon from the Ravens. That To pry him away from Baltimore is a huge loss for the Ravens and a huge get for the Patriots as well. Four years, $56 million. I love the Judon move for the Patriots. I think Judon is a great player. And I'm surprised he left Baltimore. I guess Baltimore didn't franchise tag him. Um, I think Judon's going to be really good for the Patriots. Jalen Mills is another guy they signed. Uh, the Green Goblin from uh, the Eagles. Uh, Nelson Aguilar. Eh, I'm kind of meh on Nelson Aguilar. I like Kendrick Bourne. Is another wide receiver the Patriots signed. Uh, I like that move a lot more for them. I think Kendrick Bourne is a lot younger and a lot more exciting to watch than Nelson Aguilar. I mean, we all remember Nelson Aguilar dropping all those passes and everything like that in Philly. So um, I think Bourne is a better uh, better fit for the Patriots. But yeah, the Patriots have made some moves uh, this offseason. Um, so I just wanted to give them a shout because that's been kind of surprising. You're not used to the Patriots making free agent moves. But um, like I said, Bill must have been like, I'm not doing this 7-9 and nine shit anymore. And he was like, I'm going to just sign a bunch of free agents. So um, that was a good move. The Bears also signed Andy Dalton. Uh, so I guess Andy Dalton is their starting quarterback. You just don't give $10 million to a backup quarterback. I mean, Andy Dalton 
my ginger brother. He had a good year with the Cowboys, uh, serving as Dak Prescott's backup. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job, but um, will he have the same success in Chicago? I don't know, but anything's better than um, Mitchell Trubisky, honestly. And um, yeah, I, uh, Mitchell Trubisky sucks. So good luck to um, Andy Dalton. I, I guess somebody um, somebody has to be the quarterback. The Bears have had so many quarterback issues in the past year, so I guess Andy Dalton is the latest pl- plug-in and uh, see how it goes. All right, so um, off sports now, just very quickly, um, I wanted to talk about the Grammys a little bit. Um, now, I don't love the Grammys, I, I, but there were not a whole lot of sports on Sunday night, um, so I was able to watch pretty much the entire thing. I was surprised. I was like, I was only going to watch a few minutes at first, but um, I ended up watching damn near the whole Grammys ceremony. Um, and while I'm still confused by um, uh, things like record of the year and album of the year as to how they could possibly be different and different awards and different categories, I'll just talk about the the performances, I guess, because um, I really that was what I was the first performance was Harry Styles. Now I'm not a huge Harry Styles fan. In fact, I had never heard this song before. Uh, Watermelon Sugar. Uh, I had never heard that song before Sunday, but I really liked it. I thought he kicked off the show really great. That was a great performance. Um, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac are just great. Like together, they're just so good. Uh, Leave the Door Open is an incredible song. Like if you haven't heard this song yet, uh, this this Bruno Mars Anderson Pac collaboration, two of my favorites by the way. If you haven't heard this song. Go listen to that or watch their Grammys performance. That was great too. Uh, Taylor Swift gave a really, um, really passionate performance. Um, another artist I hadn't really listened to a whole lot. I mean, I know they've got fans all over the world. Um, they're one of the most famous. I know they're one of the most famous acts in the entire world, but I had never really heard BTS before either. And their song Dynamite has been stuck in my head since Sunday. So, um, Get it out of my head. Get it out of my head. I'll just go through some of the winners quickly. Um, Record of the Year was Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish. Um, Album of the Year went to Taylor Swift for Folklore. Song of the Year went to H-E-R, I Can't Breathe. Um, Best New Artist went to Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, Congratulations to her. And then Watermelon Sugar actually won Best Pop Solo Performance. I don't even know what that means. Best pop solo performance. But that's a good song. Um, Watermelon Sugar. Best pop duo slash group performance is went to Rain On Me by uh, Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. Uh, best traditional pop vocal album. James Taylor. I love James Taylor. Congratulations to James Taylor. Uh, he deserves it. I haven't heard that album, but congratulations to James Taylor. Fu- best pop vocal album. Future Nostalgia. Dua Lipa. Uh, Dua Lipa's great too. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it in terms of um, there are a bunch of other winners, but those were the main award winners. Um, the Strokes won the best new rock album or the best rock album. I I agree with that one too. I thought the Strokes were great. Um, Trevor Noah did a great job hosting. I thought too. Um, I thought Trevor Noah. 
I thought, well, one thing that was kind of funny was after every single performance, Trevor Noah was like, Billy Irish! Wow! That was amazing! Or BTS! Wow! That was amazing! He would get so excited. Like, he was really excited to be there. So I give Trevor Noah a lot of credit. Like, you can tell he was having a lot of fun with it. Uh, that's, a, that's a sign of a good host. Uh, Trevor Noah was having a lot of fun with it. And congratulations to Beyonce. Uh, she also set the record for most Grammys won by a female, if I'm not mistaken. So congratulations to Beyonce for uh, making history once again. She is um, incredible. I mean, what, what can we say about Beyonce? Um, she just influenced and changed the music game so much. Let's go in to your NBA, NHL, and EPL schedule updates for the weekend. We've got the Kings and the Celtics at 7.30 on Friday. The Spurs and the Cavaliers at 7.30 on Friday. Pacers Heat at 8 o'clock. Nets Magic is at 8 o'clock on Friday. Jazz Raptors is at 8 on Friday. Pistons, oh, that is a terrible, terrible game. Pistons, Rockets. But the Pistons are 11-29, and 29, and the Rockets are 11-28. and 28. So um, if I'm not mistaken, the Rockets have lost like 19 straight games or something crazy. Something's got to give. Somebody has to win that Pistons-Rockets game. Warriors-Grizzlies at 8 o'clock. Bulls-Nuggets is at 9 o'clock. Timberwolves-Suns is at 10. And then Mavericks-Trailblazers at 10 on NBA TV. On Sunday, only a few – or Saturday, only a few games. Hawks-Lakers is at 3.30. King 76ers is at 8. Warriors Grizzlies is at 8 o'clock on NBA TV. Spurs Bucks is at 9. And Hornets Clippers is at 10. So no primetime ABC game this Saturday. I have to wonder if that's partially due to the NCAA tournament. The fact it's going to be on literally all day on Saturday. Um, I'll see how that goes. Um, That's your NBA schedule for Saturday. And then on Sunday, we've got the Pacers and the Heat at 1 o'clock. The Thunder and the Rockets at 2 o'clock. Pelicans Nuggets is at 3. Magic Celtics is at 3.30. Wizards Nets is at 7. Raptors Cavaliers is at 7. Bulls Pistons is at 7. The Knicks play the 76ers on Sunday at 8. Um, close game between the two of them on... Um, when did they play? Tuesday. It was Tuesday the Knicks played the 76ers. I think they just ultimately ran out of gas at the end. Uh, let's see if they can get their revenge on um, on Sunday. They held them to under 100 points, but still lost. Anyway, I've kind of forgotten where I was. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just we'll just end it there on the NBA schedule. Um, on to the NHL schedule. Friday night, March 19th, we've got the Rangers and the Capitals, a back-to-back Achara, if you will, as Tim Clark and I call it, Achara. A back-to-back between the Rangers and the Capitals. First game is at 7 o'clock. Canucks versus Canadiens is at 7 o'clock. Flames versus Maple Leafs is at 7 o'clock. Blues Sharks is at 9. And Golden Knights versus Kings is at 10 o'clock. By the way, the Canucks-Canadiens game and the Flames-Maple Leafs game, you can check that out on ESPN+. And then on Saturday, we've got um, the Penguins and the Devils at 1 o'clock, the Bruins and the Sabres at 1 o'clock, the Predators and the Panthers at 2 o'clock, the Wild and the Avalanche at 3, the Blackhawks and the Lightning at 4, the Flyers and the Islanders. Islanders are were red hot. The Islanders were the hottest team in all of hockey, by the way. 
Uh, Pat Honan's going to love this. They were the hottest team in all of hockey up until uh, Tuesday when they lost to the Capitals. And the Flyers, well, I mean, I mentioned it at the start of the episode, they got their asses kicked by the Rangers uh, last night, 9 to nothing in a beautiful game. That was a lot of fun. That was a, I had a good-ass time watching that uh, Flyers-Rangers game last night. Uh, nine goals for the Rangers. Uh, all right, on to the rest of the Saturday schedule. Uh, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes is at 7 o'clock. Stars, Red Wings is at 7 o'clock. Canucks, Canadians is at 7 o'clock. Flames, Maple Leafs is at 7 on ESPN+. Plus. Coyotes, Ducks is at 8 o'clock. Blues, Sharks is at 9. And Jets, Oilers. Adrian Rutherford's Oilers, 10 o'clock on, on Saturday, March 20th. And then we've only got a few games uh, on Sunday, we've got the Devils and the Penguins, the Panthers and the Lightning, the Golden Knights and the Kings again, and the Predators versus the Stars. Panthers Lightning is on ESPN Plus. Golden Knight King is on NBCSN, and Predator Stars that ES is on ESPN Plus. Yeah, one last funny thing about that nine nothing Rangers game. All the entire the Rangers coaching staff was completely out of that game. David Quinn was not coaching that game. Neither was any of his assistants. It was Chris Knobloch filling in the AHL head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack. And uh, that's a way to fill in, by the way. I don't know what Philly, I don't know what was wrong with Philly last night, but the Rangers just absolutely destroyed them. So shout out to Chris Knobloch uh, on getting his first NHL head coaching win uh, as the Rangers acting coach uh, last night. All right, so Friday, March 19th in the EPL, we've got Fulham versus Leeds at 4 o'clock. Uh, that's a Friday afternoon game for you. You remember the times, uh, obviously, uh, we sprung ahead this past week, so now uh, that's why the games are starting at 4 and not 3 uh, in, the, um, in the English Premier League. And then on Saturday, we've only, got, um, we've only got one game, Brighton versus Newcastle. That's at 4 o'clock. And then uh, on Sunday, we've got two games. We've got West Ham versus Arsenal in a London derby. Um, we know how Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal absolutely crushed it against Tottenham. I was really happy with the North London Derby win this past weekend. And Arsenal as a whole have been playing a lot better lately. Like, they've been playing, um, it's been much more fun to watch. We'll see how they do today against Olympiacos. Um, they already have a 3-1 lead. I expect them to cruise right on through to the um, the next leg of the uh, Europa League. Excuse me, but... um. Hopefully they take care of business against West Ham this weekend. And um, that is it. That is your NBA, NHL, and EPL schedule update. Unfortunately, before we wrap up this episode, um, I do have to offer my condolences to everybody who was affected and unfortunately lost their lives in the Atlanta spa shooting this week. Um, Really terrible. Hate against Asians and hate in general we can't stand for it we shouldn't stand for it and um i'm glad and i'm more i'm heartwarmed to see that many people are starting to speak out on against hate against asians and all other minority groups in this country but um it was really horrible to see what happened in atlanta and uh just have to unfortunately offer my condolences um as we wrap up this episode of upon further review with brian brendan Hate is not okay. Um, love, don't hate. That, that's all I can say. Like, love. Love your neighbor. Love your friends. Love your family. Love is the answer. That's all I pretty much have to say. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, follow me personally on Twitter at bbrian1991. Uh, follow my personal Facebook page uh, at Brian Brennan. Um, I post a lot of content to there too. Um, I think next week is going to be the baseball preview episode. I It's either going to be next week or the week after. I'm not sure yet. But the baseball preview episode is definitely coming. It's about that time. It's almost baseball season. So, um, yeah. Let, I'm, I'm, ready for, I'm ready for baseball season to begin. Uh, so I think that's coming next week. Uh, just, just a little bit of housekeeping to wrap up today's episode. And uh, thank you for listening to today's episode, folks. And I'll talk to you next time.